Welcome to the sixth episode of VHTML 2018 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Halmstone and joining me as always is a Canadian who lives his life by the Steena mantra of, at some point you just have to start banging, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is a very Steena-centric episode, I would say. There's a lot of Volte in this episode, there's a lot of Steena in this episode, and not a lot of anyone else. Ah, uh, you still get a fair chunk of Ruben. You do get a fair chunk of Ruben. You do also get Yan's amazing faces in one of the challenges. Spoilers, that's the banner this week. But you don't get an awful lot of Simona, for example. Which is odd, given she's the only one literally vulnerable at the end of this episode. Yeah, I'm very curious what production would have done if she did get the red screen. Yeah, I genuinely don't know where they'd put another non-elimination. I know we said this in the uh, the spoiler section last episode with Bindles, but I can't actually see another point where they would slip a non-elimination in. Like a natural way, you mean, to throw it in? Yeah, yeah, it would be very convoluted. I can't see a natural way for them to slip a non-elimination in to make it work without Alche just going, well, we still want money. They'd have to say something like, you have, to, you have a six-sided die if you roll... A one, two, three, four, or five. There will be no execution this round. Oh, you rolled a six? Uh, that doesn't count. Roll again. Hot for Dummer. <laughs> <laughs> I do love this episode, though, to be fair. It features one of my favourite challenges in the, uh, the House Move Challenge. And also the culmination of, as I have mentioned before, one of my favourite running jokes of this entire season. In the, please, for the love of God, can we just have a non-elimination from production? Yeah, especially with the way this challenge is structured, they really tilt the table. Oh yeah, there is no way that they were ever going to let them not do a non-elimination here, I think. But, I mean, there is still a chance Simona could have gone home. There is, but I wonder whether they would have stacked the screen so that the person with the red screen wasn't on there at some point. Let's do another round of questions with the green team. (laughs) They just keep asking questions until the right person has been flipped over, and then it's like, oh yeah, challenge over. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. It's, it felt unnatural for them to do two rounds of this. That actually may be the way to tilt this challenge, because there was only eight screens that could have got flipped in total. So yeah, it's, it's odd to only do six questions for that side, really, thinking about it. There was actually no way to make everyone immune and to give them all the money. So maybe that is how they rigged it. Just ask however many rounds in a row until you know that I presumably uh, uh, Stine's gets flipped. Yeah, I would assume so. So, previously the final six ran away to the circus trying to build a house of cards while being distracted by Olche's favourite thing in the world, money. Ruin stole the treasurer roll away from Olche and aroused suspicion when the treasurer got a special roll in the next challenge. After Stina saw the most beautiful word search in the world, they failed to ask the right question of the mole, but it was Luce who answered the most questions wrong and was sent home. And finally, after six episodes, they have left Tbilisi, and will not be returning now. And they are now in Skatubo, in the southwest of Georgia. There are some really rickety-ass cable cars as Art does his introduction to the episode, and he says there was a lot of bond intrigue. Jan was running around looking for bonds as Olche's bond with Stina was tested by the lack of information coming from Stina. Now Luce has gone home, Ruben's bond is with Jan, thanks to the last episode. Were you fearing for people's lives like I was when watching that B-roll of the uh, the cable cars? I don't know if it's because I've also been in rickety cable cars around the world, but no, I just I'm, I was just thinking they were going to be safe the whole time. I mean, there's rickety cable cars, and then there is those cable cars, because they genuinely look like they were about to fall at any point. I know we mentioned this with the zipline challenge of ziplining between two Soviet buildings, but it looks very unsafe, that. If Ruben isn't scared, then I think we're okay. I think Ruben would have been very scared by that. And the episode title is the same as Logan's favourite novel in the Fifty Shades of Grey series, Freed. And it is day 10, and Steena narrates as they leave Tbilisi, and there's lots of beautiful landscape. Ruben is obviously the one to eulogise Lois, and now has a bond with Jan, but he's worried that Jan's fanaticism is just an act, and he may be the mole. And when they have lunch, Alche wonders which of the four will go home next, to their faces... Simona says she dreams of her victory, Alche says she's having so much fun, she thinks the group all like her, Ruben points out that they haven't had a laser game yet, and Simona says she wants to shoot things. Yeah, she wants to shoot somebody. They don't have a laser game in this season, do they? Yeah, I was just thinking, maybe they 
were they not able to pull that off in Georgia? It's like the only season without one in the past 15 years. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to actually have to uh, consult Bindle's Guide because I don't think they have one. So I can think of a couple of challenges that, they're, that they still have to do. No, I can think of three challenges, and none of them are lasers, and there's only what, nine assignments left. No, I think there might be one. No, because it's um, the control room task, then the bridge, and then the train task. Is that the suitcase one, the train task? Uh, that's the cardboard boxes one. Then there is the choir one, carpool karaoke, and the whitewater rafting. And then there's the observatory, the larder quiz challenge, and then the um, the final test. That's it. There isn't a laser game this season. Wonder how what down the cast was by the time they got to the end. There wasn't a laser game because it just even by that point it's viewed as mandatory. Yeah, everyone is obsessed with the idea of a laser game because everyone just wants to be Josh Nolay and do <laughs> do little roles. Yeah, do, do <laughs> crash and roll and things. But they're not Josh. No one is ever going to be Josh. He's the male Olche. Actually, can you imagine if? Uh, if they did another renaissance season and Josh came back as the Czechia representative and Olche came back as Georgia. I don't think they would bring back Josh. It'd probably be Charlotte. No, I, I think it would be Josh. Josh was incredibly popular and everyone thought he was screwed. Not just us. I think Josh is pretty much a lock for uh, for renaissance too, if they ever did one. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you look at any all-star season of any franchise out there, you get some weird choices. We know that there are some underwhelming choices for All-Star Seasons. Not mentioning any names, your own. But I think the only reason that Josh would not come back for Renaissance 2 would be if if Josh said no. I think they want Josh back for Renaissance 2 if they ever do one. I would be very, very surprised if Josh did not come back for Renaissance 2. So they are taken to an old sanatorium for the first assignment. In Soviet times, it was a beautiful town, but has been abandoned since. There are 50 rooms in the hotel and they have 20 minutes to open them all to earn 1,500 euros. It seems simple, and it would be if it was for beginners, but they're over halfway through the season, so only Ruben as treasurer will be free to walk around. The rest will be locked in rooms, awaiting their freedom. I think this was another way that makes Ruben look more suspicious, the fact that it's now two consecutive challenges where he has a crucial role in a challenge. Oh yeah, you can definitely understand why everyone... Was suspecting him by this point, I think. Yeah, it's like, what, he, he there's another challenge where he gets to decide the whole outcome if he wants to? <laughs> you can understand why everyone was like, we can't have him be treasurer again, he's going to get more key positions. And appropriately, this challenge is another mole phrase, which is key position. It's little posity. Except it's a pun this time. And I think this challenge would absolutely drive me nuts if I was in Ruben's position. Just the constant banging on the doors and people screaming your name. I think it'd give you a headache. Except for Stine, who was very tough to hear amongst all of it. (laughs) She was, and I'd forgotten how funny that is, of everyone just kind of slamming on the doors and screaming Ruben's name, and Stine is just like, Ruben, can you let me out, please? Please, Ruben. Same one there. (laughs) Can, can anybody someone, hear me? Some, no? no? Can anybody hear me? No? Okay. Uh, I'll just sit okay. here and read this newspaper. I mean, I love Steiner anyway. I love all of this Final Five, to be honest, but I love Steiner anyway. But this just makes me love her even more, where, where it's just like, really reserved Steiner, hates all the adrenaline assignments, and just goes, yeah, okay, I'm not going to get saved. Whatever. <laughs> no loss. <laughs> And then Simona says, waiting for Ruben is like waiting for Jack Nicholson in The Shining. <laughs> to jump out and put an axe through a door and scream, here's Johnny. <laughs> My favourite thing of this pre-challenge bit, though, is Olche saying she panics as she was left in a room that hadn't been used in over 20 years. And it was so dirty. And you just look at the room and go, yeah, the bed's made, Olche. It's by far the cleanest of the four that people are locked in. Do not complain. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine if they were to try and do this challenge during Renaissance where there's like a severed horse's head in the bed. Anything would have been better than A, actually admitting that Euron was a mole on any season, and B, the Elber episode. 
So each of them receives 10 keys, one of Ruben's 10 will unlock another candidate, who has another 10 keys, and so on and so forth. The other 9 on their key rings will unlock rooms with money, or yokers, or absolutely nothing. Nyan resorts to yelling and slamming the door. Stina, however, as we said, does absolutely nothing. She barely even speaks above a whisper. Ruben has Yan's key, meaning he's now free. Yan asks what the room numbers for the others are. Ruben says 48 for Simona and 44 for Olche. And it's actually 47A that Olche is locked in. Yan finds 100 euros in 88B. Not 100 euros, it's 100 smackaroos. Sorry, Yan finds 100 smackaroos in 88B. And Ruben finds an envelope in 88A, telling him that there is money in 83B. Absolutely nobody hears Stina rattling her keys. And then Yan frees Olche from 47A, who frees Simona. And they start tearing the rooms apart to find money. And Ruben finds some more money. 100 euros again, I think. And Stina says that at some point she just has to give up and start banging. She's in room number 5, but Olche doesn't have her key. In room 33, Ruben finds a note saying that there are two yokers in room number 3, and he then tries to find out who has the key to room number 3. Stina gets freed by Simona. She starts opening the rooms that they need. Yan finds himself a yoker in 46, and Olche, given her love of money, sniffs out 100 euros in 69b. I like the whole conversation between Ruben and Olche about room 3. Neither of them trust each other. It's just delightful by this point. Yeah, Ruben says, Solche, let's, yeah, I just need, I just need all of your keys. I just need to go to this one room. Don't ask me why. And Solche says, um, no, we're going to go together. And then Ruben says, but, but, uh, we shouldn't go together because, um, uh, and then Solche just calls him out on it right away and says, you're wasting time, Ruben. (laughs) What are you hiding? Yeah, and then Ruben's like, God oh, damn it. Well, at least if I get right in front of her, I can probably get the two yokers. And then they have to run into Yan, too. So Ruben's subtle plan of trying to get all of Old Chase keys to go by himself actually ends up with all three of them going into the room together. Yeah, the brilliant thing is that Yan then runs defense for Ruben and just drags Olche out of the room and doesn't even acknowledge it. Yeah, Yan's always good for things like that. And then Ruben's able to find the two yokers on his own anyway, but all that unnecessary stress probably took a couple years off his life before that. It also probably makes Olche suspicious of Ruben's motives, therefore initiating the body search. When Ruben refuses the body search later, it then means that he loses his treasurership. Because nobody trusts him when he refuses not to (laughs) expose himself. So in 61A, Simona finds a yoker. In 61B, Olche finds 100 euros, but misses the 500 euros that is also hidden in that room. Olche and Yan start bickering over who found more money, and Stina goes missing long enough for the time to run out. And Yan spots that Simona has a yoker on the way back down. It looks like a yoker, Simona. Good for you. <laughs> Good job. So Ruben has 100 euros, Yan and Olche both have 200, Stina and Simona both have nothing, meaning they earn 500 euros of a possible 1500 for the challenge. Stina didn't find anything, eh? No, wonder why that was. Because <laughs> she's Stina? Yeah, it's not spoiling anything to say Stina was my number one suspect this week. Because Stina does nothing. I think it's Olche who says it best later in the uh, in the test when she says, yeah, Stina actually does genuinely nothing in most of these challenges. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's why you're my number one suspect. It's just funny just how watching these episodes, I'm thinking, man, we're six episodes into this rewatch, and I can't recall any of of Stina's contributions. No, she genuinely doesn't do anything. She stays in the background so much and kind of is very reserved, I would say. Not in the same way Jean-Marc is, obviously, but... She just kind of stays in the background and watches people, and it's it's interesting. Especially with how... Think, how did she get this far? How did she, how did she last beyond episode six? Look, that's how. So, in a scene I'd completely forgotten about, but adore even more because it adds to her character, Olche does insist on the body search because she doesn't trust anyone. Yan submits because of course he does. But Ruben doesn't. She is convinced that he has money in his back pockets, but it's actually his two yokers, and is very suspicious of his motives. And he does the worst, uh, 
why doesn't he put the two yokers in a more concealed spot? Exactly. Jan hides his in his socks. <laughs> yeah. That's why no one found his, but Ruben had his in his hands. He actually had to take it from his hands into his back pocket and say, no, you cannot touch there. If you think about it, Ruben has the advantage of having the most surface area of anyone in this cast. He's like 6'5". He has more places to hide it than anyone else, just in terms of height. And yet he biffs this so badly. It's like, yeah, you're not treasure anymore after this. We can't trust you at all. <laughs> and I wonder why that is. So Yan and Olche have a catch-up in room 2218. He is wondering what Olche actually did in that challenge and admits to her that he found a yoker, but doesn't realise that Steena is listening in. There is absolutely no comeuppance to Steena listening into this conversation at all, which is weird. Yeah, she just, they keep cutting to her listening, but they don't catch her listening, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't even do that much with the information other than the conversation we're going to see right after this. But it was just, it was very like European independent film style of just, an ex- a long scene where that ultimately doesn't go anywhere. It's like, what's the payoff for this scene? Is it just that it's hilarious and just full of character moments where it's Dine in the background listening and then Jan and Olche going through their odd sexual tension that's built up over the past couple episodes? Do you think they put this in just to give evidence of the breakdown of Dina and Olche's bond? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's a very good visual for it, right? Stine's on the outside listening at the door, and then Olche and Yan are clearly bonding very, very well here. And talking about how they want to get rid of Simona and Stina so that they and Ruben can be the final three. Yeah, and presumably they're saying that because they are both acting like Ruben is the mole. Yeah. The best thing about this, though, is the fact that this is really the start of, as you said, the slight sexual tension between Olshe and Yan. When I watched this the first time, I did think that they were going to end up being in a relationship post-season. Because you can cut that tension with a knife at some points from this episode on. Yeah, well, as soon as this scene aired, I'm thinking, oh, okay. Because in my mind, uh, when we first started doing this, I was thinking, don't aren't Olshe and Yan really close to when they started trying to form an alliance? It didn't really go anywhere the past couple episodes. But this episode, once I saw this scene, I was thinking, oh, okay, this is when it starts. This is when they're inseparable between now and the end of the season. I mean, the main evidence of this is the bridge challenge in the next episode, where you really can cut the tension between them with a knife. There is a lot of unresolved tension between the two of them in that in that challenge. And then, of course, the follow-up to this scene is hilarious, where... Stine keeps questioning Olche about her bond with Yan, saying, oh, I think I think Yan's coming in between us. Uh, I think, and then telling Olche, I think Yan's willing to do whatever he can to get to the finale. And Olche just goes, yep, yep, you're right, you're right. And then just has this completely brutal confessional where Olche says, I'm not yours, Stine. I can talk to other people, and I like Yan more than you anyway. Well, the best bit about this is the fact that we somehow learned that Yan stole Emilio from Stina. Oh yeah, that was the other part of their confessional too, where where uh, Stina's like, yeah, Yan already stole Emilio from me at the start of the season, and now he's going to steal Olche from me. It's just weird. Like, we had no evidence of those two having a bond outside of being together in the first episode. And now Stina is still ten days in, really, really bitter about Yan stealing her bond from her. I guess Stine just viewed Yan as this really disruptive force in the group, just really making her game a lot tougher than she was hoping it would be. She must have been good with Emilio for at least the first day or two until him and Yan got super close. And then I'm sure after listening in at the door, Stine got a pretty good idea where things stood after that. She was having deja vu. Shows you just how good of a social player Yan is, though. Oh yeah. I mean... Yan is one of my favourite people ever to be on on Vidum, I would say. He's really, really fun as a character, and really, really good as a game player. Yeah, he's a very charming individual, because he's went from Emilio, kind of, well, I kind of had a bond with Ruben for a while, and then really zeroed in on Olche. And then Ruben just opts to pull in 
uh, Simona for an alliance. So now it's Dine who has nobody aligned with her. The other two pairs are just sharing tons of information. I was actually surprised that Simona dove into her alliance with Ruben as much as she did. I know I mentioned this earlier in the season, but I'd always remembered Simona and Stina as being pretty friendly. But we get vibes of them hating each other again. It's just odd. I'd always remembered them as being a bond rather than rather than Ruben muscling in there and getting a, a bond at Final Five with Simona. Yeah. So Olche and uh, Stina agree that Simona would be the perfect mole candidate. And then we cut to day 11. And they're in a village called Sukchai, which I believe is a tribe from Survivor Thailand. I was about to say Sukchai. <laughs> Art drives to meet them in a larder in the town. And in another scene you would never see Rick do ever again because he would want to re-record it. Art forgets to put the handbrake on on the larder, so it starts rolling forward and he has to do his introduction again. <laughs> Three families are moving in the town today and the candidates need to help them move. They have to move lots of items with mole stickers on them in three larders, and the more they move, the more they earn, and they have 30 minutes to load up their cars. Ruben, Jan, and Simona quickly volunteer to drive. Alcea says she wants to help Ruben, as they've been a good team in the past. Stina decides to help Jan, and he asks if she's good with Tetris, and of course, they score the entire next scene with the Tetris theme, or music from the Tetris soundtrack. Mother Russia would be proud. I was going to say, it's vaguely ignorant to just score it with the Tetris theme, given it's Quite notably a Russian folk song, the Cetras theme. Yeah, and do that in the Georgia season. It's quite ethnically ambiguous. <laughs> One reason why I like this challenge, because it always makes me think of the Mr. Bean sketch, when he has all the stuff packed into his car and he has to drive from the roof. I just really, really like this entire challenge. I just have visions of the producers going around and going, right, so we need to find... A random Georgian village that's going to let us drive larders around with all of their possessions on top of them. Then we're going to have to convince the homeowners of those items to get in the cars themselves. Potentially get the, uh, get a chair leg poking out their eye. Yeah. There's just so much that could have gone wrong with this challenge from the Georgian side. And it's a challenge they really couldn't have done anywhere else, I don't think. Yeah, not too many places where you're going to find cars like that, other than, other, say, other former Soviet countries. Yeah. It's just a very Georgia challenge, I would say. And I do like it when they, they manage to come up with challenges that you genuinely would never do anywhere else and could never do anywhere else. And it also really helps that this Final Five can carry a season. Maybe not Stina as much, because she just kind of slinks into the background and is very quiet with this sort of stuff. But the other four can bring it in any challenge, and really bring it in this challenge. Well, Stina gets the first solid quote of this challenge, saying, It was a classic Georgian house with old crap. <laughs> I slightly love the running joke this season of them just ever so slightly disparaging Georgia as a country. Because if you think back to the zipline challenge... Jan is not kind about the Soviet districts. Yeah, he refers to it as a ghetto and basically implies that it's a shithole. And then we have it again here with Stina going, oh, it's such a classical Georgian house and full of old crap. If it was any other country, they'd be referred to as antiques. And then Stine and Jan start working on the house. And two minutes in, Stine's like, I'm going to go help Simona. You bore me now, Jan. You just deal with your own one. Yeah. I'll just leave you unattended. Yeah. You're wearing watermelon socks today. I can't deal with that. I do wonder how many great socks Jan brought with him as well. Because we saw the pineapple socks a few weeks ago. And now we have the watermelon socks. He just loves a bright sock. So Jan and Stina's house, as you said, is right next to Simona's. Olche and Ruben are on the other side of town. And Olche said she thought the challenge would be easy until she saw the stuff that they had to move. After two minutes, Stina says she's off to help Simona and runs next door, as it turns out that Jan can carry everything himself. Ruben requests that if he ever moves, can Olche help him as she's good at it? He, however, has no idea how to put the straps together that they're using to tie stuff to the car, and they do end up just putting a knot in it. Jan says that when he was little, his dad would load the car and it wouldn't fit, his mum would then load it, and they would get into a big fight, but they'd eventually get over it by the time they got to the bridge. <laughs> Stina runs over to help Jan with his knotted rope, Simona inspects, and a dining chair falls off Jan's roof. 
And then Art turns up to ruin their day. They will get 50 euros for each of the five new items with a mole sticker moved, but they can earn an extra 250 if they move one of the householders as well. And they have 15 minutes to repack. And in another brilliant, Olche is completely toned after everyone else's feelings scene. She slams the door on her chest repeatedly, right in front of the householders. And yeah, or slams the car door nearly and nearly breaks one of the locals' arms that was sitting in the car. I think she slams that door a good four or five times on the same item, and then she's just like, oh, sorry, didn't see you there. <laughs> and Simona and Ruben manage to take the householder, but Yen doesn't. Instead, he wants to carry a dining chair with his arm outside the window. Olche breaks her nails and says she really needs a pedicure after this challenge. Yeah, even though it should be manicure, surely. Yeah. She still wants a pedicure regardless. Something else I noticed as well. If you look at the values of the items, it doesn't add up. Because if we assume they're telling the truth about there being five new items each worth 50 euros, the maximum they can earn this challenge is 1,500 euros, according to the graphic on the screen. But it isn't, because there's five new 50 euro items with a mole sticker, so that's 250, plus 250 for the householders that get moved. So that's 500 in the three teams. So that's your 1,500 euros. So what was the value of the uh, the other items with the mole sticker on them? Maybe it was actually zero? Yeah, the only way it could work is if it was zero and they were just... The first 30 minutes was a decoy. Yeah, the first 30 minutes was a decoy, in which case it's a very disingenuous challenge. Maybe it was like an unaired dilemma, where it's like, hey, you have a chance for more money if you choose to do an alternate part, and they just edited that discussion out? Yeah, maybe. You gamble the money you've got on your cars if you can fit the others on. That would be that's my thinking anyway. Otherwise, this this is an odd. I've, there's definitely a detail that was not communicated. There's something we haven't been told in this challenge. Definitely, not that it affects the challenge in the slightest because it's essentially pure character scenes. But there's just something missing. And Yen intentionally packs the car so full so that no Orgians could fit. I mean, I'd forgotten how good Yen's reactions were in the entire scene where he's just like, yeah, I'm not going to fit a householder in here. (laughs) One of them is our banner for the week where he comes out of the drive and he's sticking his head out the window just looking absolutely gormless. Just going, oh shit, what have I done? So Olche runs alongside Ruben's car, and Irma the householder starts singing Georgian songs to Ruben. And he basically says, stick a fork in me, I'm done, this is the best thing ever. Or as they say in Holland, put a ribbon on me, kiss me, and off I go. Yeah. This is another really sweet Ruben scene, I would say. Without spoiling anything, this is a very interesting edit for Ruben to get. I'm glad that Irma started singing uh, local Georgian songs and not, my neck, my back. <laughs> I would just love it if Irma turned around to Ruben and started busting out Sir Mix a lot. Soldier boy up in this oh, watch me crank that, watch me roll. Superman that hoe, watch me you. <laughs> There's just something about the mental image of a sweet middle-aged Georgian lady singing gangster rap songs. Yeah, it's like scary movie four with the bedtime scene. Can you sing me a bedtime song? Oh, I don't know any bedtime songs. Your mom usually did that. Oh, she's a bad bitch. She's a bad bitch, but she ain't no hoe. <laughs> so Simona does make it to the new house with a loss of smoke from the brakes. She nearly set the larder on fire with the brakes. Jan's chair starts moving and he ends up driving while holding the chairs in place and missing Ruben's car by about a centimetre. <laughs> the footage for that is insane. How do they not crash into each other? That should have happened. How? Just the way they were angling towards each other, I'm thinking, do they crash and have completely forgotten? Because if they crash, even if it was just like a light, like they lightly hit each other and completely ruined both Ladas, that would have easily been a top five all-time Vidim moment. <laughs> overpacked ladas with furniture and people crashing into each other in the middle of the street. It's genuinely a little bit terrifying to just see how close they came to killing each other. Yeah, even after they pass each other, 
because they're they're panicking, they're honking, and afterwards you're both thinking that had to be one centimeter at the most that we missed each other. Even on the footage, it's you you you, you almost want to call it a tie. You think maybe they did scrape each other just the tiny tiny bit. We would have heard it. Yeah, if it is two cars driving by. There's no way two cars can touch each other without you hearing it. But whatever is the smallest possible measurement for two things to not come into physical contact with each other, I think that's what happened with those two Ladas. Yeah. It had to be like point zero. I, I, I mean, maybe one centimeter could be generous there. It's a nanometer apart. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm still impressed that they did not crash into each other. Do we exchange insurance? So they park up, and Yan just about survives. They earn 750 euros from the items, as well as 500 euros for transporting the owners. So 1,250 euros of 1,500 for the challenge. And following this challenge, they have another treasurer conversation. Ruben has been treasurer for two days, as was Olche, so Simona wants to swap it again. And everyone basically just decides, without Ruben even needing to care, that he is not being treasurer ever again. And Simona and Jan volunteer. They decide upon Jan, who says there are only two reasons for becoming treasurer, if everyone trusts you, or if everyone wants to test you. He says the money will be safe and sound with him. And they head back to Scaltubo for the afternoon. Simona says that the building they meet Art at looks like it belongs in Battlestar Galactica, and there is an almost simultaneous sunglasses removal when they meet him, who tells them to prepare for the test. Four out of the five people are wearing sunglasses. All of them take them off within about a second of each other, and it was almost very impressive. It's very MIB. They're last and only line of defense. And Alche says she's confused at it being only two challenges pre-test. They are owed three challenges every time. And Art only said test, not test, and execution. It is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least is out of the game, except for the mole who can never go home. Yan and Simona have one yoker each, Ruben has two, and Stina has a black exemption. And the test, as I said, takes place at Skaldubo. Stina says in this phase of the game, scores are important. She doesn't think any yokers exist and can stop anyone getting an advantage anyway, thanks to her black exemption, which she plays. Yan suspects Ruben, who wanted to be treasurer and got two assignments where the treasurer is in a key position in two episodes, and he plays a yoker. Ruben has to start all over again. He thinks that Yan's fanaticism is real, so it's only Stina, Olche, or Simona who could be the mole. Stina does things that he thinks cannot be right, but is Stina, the philosopher, the children's book author, the mole? Olche does weird things, but is she moling or just being an over-the-top mole? And he plays his two yokers. Olche says Stina never lies, it's just not her. Simona would be a good mole, she's too lazy to bring anything in, and always knows everything, which seems contradictory. Olche is savage in her test confessionals. This is not the first one this season where Olche has been a complete bitch to people in these. And you can just imagine them kind of watching them back in uh, January and February 2018 just going, Olche, you're horrid. (laughs) Simona focuses on Ruben, but still spreads a few on Yan, a few on Stina, but a majority on Ruben, and she plays her Yoka. Art says that some chose security and Yokas were played, but so was the Black Exemption. And that means they are all equal, but they can all say that they were there when the pot finally reached 10,000 euros. However, none of them want to go home today, and they will get a chance to stop anyone going home. And he just kind of gets up and walks away. No explanation. He pulled a Rick. He just pulls a Rick, and they get transported to the actual location of their potential execution. Alche just assumes that they're all going through, because Art didn't say anything to the contrary to that. He just said they'll have a chance to all stay, but... She's just the optimist, Alche the optimist, and thinks, oh, that means we're all going through. Yay, go team. Does it, though? Well, yeah. But at this point, does it? Mm, We don't know. Art says to us that they will get the chance to earn money or eliminate screens. Last time they got the choice, they chose the money, thanks to Alche. But will they do the same again? 810 euros is different from 10,000 euros. Yeah, at this point, they are over the Czechia barrier they can at least be a little bit calmer about whether they need money or not. Is the Czechia barrier equivalent to the Mendoza line? Instead of being above or below 200, if you're above or below 10,000, 
that depends on your success for the season. Yeah, it's basically the Ashby line. As soon as they get over ten thousand euros, they're famous enough to to be brought back. That's all they care about. So Art says to us, they'll get the chance to win money or eliminate screens. They are taken to the Medea Sanatorium for their final challenge, and Tyler Perry is indeed waiting for them before you say it. Damn it. (laughs) At the top of the stairs, they will find two identical boards, except for one thing. One of them is green, one of them is red. Five of the boards have their names hidden, and three have money. To eliminate a screen or earn money, both boards need to be matching in green. Art will ask them quiz questions. If they get them right, they can turn a red piece green if they're on the red board, or not have to make a green space red on the green board. And they choose Ruben, Jan and Olche to play on the red board, and the dream team of Stina and Simona on the green board. I hear if you turn if you have to if you get it wrong and have to turn something from green to red, then you lose three coins. In any other situation, I think they probably would have said any red money that's visible will be taken out of the pot. But because of this team being so gung-ho on money, that would have then made them all go for money. So therefore they had to slightly amend it to say, you're just blocking the 500 euros being earned if you uh, if you have it red. Yeah, no, pen- no penalty. Plus it's an extra incentive to make this a non-elimination round. Well, that's what I mean. If they'd said, if that 1500 euros is still red at the end, it's getting taken out of the pot, then everyone would have gone for money. And you probably wouldn't have had a non-elimination again. Essentially, they had to design this challenge to, in a not-so-discreet way, tell the contestants, please just take the non-elimination. We need to have one. Don't make us force a really random scenario where none of you get eliminated next episode. They had to make this challenge Olche-proof, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guarantee if that money would be taken out of the pot, Olche would probably murder anybody who didn't swing around those uh, euro notes before when, when it was their turn yeah if you think about it Olche was the only one of the five when they were discussing tactics to go no i still want to go for money i don't really care if someone goes i want to go for money like Olche already was playing for money she doesn't care about anything else and she would have convinced everyone to keep going for money literally the only way they can make them go for the screens is if they say yeah you're not actually going to lose any money if any is in the red at this point which actually reminds me, I really have no interesting notes on this challenge, except for the one bit where after Olche, Ruben, and Yan all have green screens, Yan then gets a question right, and when it's his turn, he goes to flip over another screen, and then Olche just looks at him all bewildered, saying, that doesn't make any sense, you should have gone for the money at that point, since all three of us are immune. Yeah, she does. <laughs> She's just like, I don't really give a fuck if Steiner or Simone go. We're working as a team here to try and make sure we're the final three. Why are you costing us money? Yeah, because Olche says that was just... Olche looks at him as if that was really suspicious and a pointless thing to do. It's like, we already achieved our objective of making sure the three of us were immune. What the hell is this, yeah? How would you play this challenge as a mole or a candidate? It's tough because it it almost seemed like it was some sort of unspoken rule amongst the contestants that they're all... Well, except Olche... That's like, okay, I guess we'll all just be nice to each other and make sure we all get two or three more days to play in Georgia, especially when it was a very low-risk situation. So I guess, I mean, if you're if you're a contestant, you want to keep flipping screens to make sure you're safe, and then maybe after that you go for the money per old chase strategy. And if you're the mole, you're going to want to keep flipping screens anyway and not flip to rescue money. Yeah, it goes back to something that Olche actually said in Confessional last episode, which is the best way to smoke out a mole is to all work as a team and just go for the money every time. Because then the one person who doesn't go for money is more than likely the mole. And I think she was definitely trying to test people in this challenge. Because from a contestant point of view, assuming Olche is a contestant, from a contestant point of view, you go, well, once I'm safe, I don't care. I can just live with it if someone goes home still but at that point you just go for money whereas a mole is always every time going to go for the the exemptions and keep as many people in as possible not only to stop money going in the pot but to ensure that they have a little bit more cover even though this mole is pretty well hidden even in final five i would say yeah skirting around the edges of us spoiling things this mole is quite well hidden still. Everyone seems to be on different people. 
no one seems to have a group consensus on who the mole actually is at the moment. Which in some seasons you do really get. They only say, eh, it's probably not Stinny. Unlike me at the time. So they discuss tactics. Obviously Olshay would go for money, but everyone else wants to go for the screens. Ruben is asked how much money could be earned by exchanging money at the market in episode 2. The answer is a thousand euros. He's correct and turns Jan's board and reveals what happened to Jan when he comes down the stairs and gets a bear hug out of it. Simona is asked how much money they called out for in the first assignment as a team. It was 5,000 euros, and she doesn't have to turn a board because she's correct. Jan is asked which one person did not switch seats during the Thist challenge. He answers Ruben, which is correct, and turns Olche's name, but says he's tempted to turn for money, but is scared of the repercussions of someone blocking his screen. Steena is asked how many meters they dug in the Jean-Marc Memorial challenge. It is 29.6, and she's wrong with her guess of 29 meters. She has to turn a board and turns a 500 euro board and wasn't taking a risk and turning a candidate. Olche is asked which candidates still in the game were caught in the Time is Money challenge, which was the Pac-Man game in the Georgian village. She is the answer. Simona finds it weird that she doesn't remember. And she answers Stina and cannot turn a board. Rubin is asked which three candidates from the remaining five took minus money in the Crosswalk of Temptation. The answers are himself, Stina and Simona. He's correct and turns his own name. Simona is asked after which assignment did they finally earn some money off art, and the answer is time is money. She is correct. Jan is asked on which seats in the circus they could find money, which was one and eight. Simona says she'll kill him if he turns money now, and he jokes that he took money, but actually turns Stina's screen. And Olche, as you said, doesn't understand why he didn't go for money. Stina gets another really hard question and is asked how much money was in the pot after the beautiful word search challenge. The correct answer is 8,450 euros, and she says 8,400 and has to turn the screen. That's a brutal question. It is a brutal question, but yet again, Stina gets the really tough, remember this exact amount of maths question, and yet again is very close, but then wrong. So you can kind of see why I suspected her at this point, I think. From a mole point of view, you probably want to be on the red side and start turning the money as soon as you keep getting questions wrong. Just to stop it going in the pot regardless. Yeah. Olche is asked the final question. If she's wrong, only Simona will have to see her screen. She's asked what sentence the candidates gave in the beautiful word search challenge. And it was, did the mole cross words out? And she says, did the mole cross a word out? As a result, Simona is the only one who has to see her screen. And they earn absolutely nothing of 1,500 euros for this challenge. 1,750 euros of 4,500 for the episode. And 10,200 of 43,000 for the season so far. As I said, Simona is the only one to see her screen. It's green, and the producers finally get their wish of a non-elimination episode. And Yan did tell her before the screen was revealed not to leave them, which she didn't. Don't leave me, man. That would have been such a brutal execution if Simona, Simona went home. It would have been very, very funny just to see the producers' heads fizz, basically. One person looks at their, at their screen, and that person had the lowest score. It just would have been really, really funny to see producers' heads fizz when they realise they have to come up with a convoluted way to to make the final four stay as the final four next week. It would have been really, really funny. Yeah. So next time, the final five face the control room and five mini-assignments and can keep an eye on each other. They have to set out to paint a bridge, try and ply everyone with vodka, and they make a very special train ride before someone goes home. So, have you got anything else you want to say about the episode before we talk about what the mole did? No, we covered everything. I agree. So thank you for listening to our VS Mole 2018 recap. We will be back next week to continue the hunt for another old mole in Georgia. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsupquacky, and I am MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Please stay tuned for what the mole did. Peace out and just chill till the next flavoring. So what did the mole do, Mr. Saunders? Uh, the mole did quite a bit this episode, if I recall correctly. I mean, Jan was completely unattended during the moving challenge. <laughs> Which is very silly. <laughs> Cine's like, I'm going to go help Simona. And Jan's like, okay, I guess I'll just screw everything up. I'll fully pack the car so no locals can fit in. Yeah, that that's the thing. He deliberately didn't take an owner and was the only one to get away with doing that.
But also on top of that, he packed things really badly so they didn't fit together properly. He was the only one not to take all of the money items. Which is a hella suspicious thing that he somehow managed to get away with. I think that sums up Yan's legacy. Get, getting away with hella suspicious things and still not, and still have everyone suspect Ruben instead. <laughs> yeah. The really interesting thing is, this is the first week where I actually started suspecting Yan properly again after week one. Because my order was Stina, Yan, Ruben, Simona, Olche. And it's the first time he actually appeared outside of episode one in the Baldur's Bar suspect list top three as well, which was Simona, Olche, and then Yan. So we're getting to the point of the season where everyone starts looking at Yan just a little bit. And by next week, spoilers, he does end up being the number one suspect for both me and the Baldur's Bar suspect list. Well, I mean, it was Final Four at that point. Yeah, but he he ends up being number one next week for both my list and the Baldur's Bar top threes. It's tough to believe Olche is small when she's doesn't really do anything suspicious. Stine, of course, he can't take too seriously after another episode. Now, by this point of the season, I was kind of going for Stina just out of necessity, going, I don't want to believe that I've been wrong for so long again. Even though Yan was always kind of bubbling under, kind of always in my top three, he was only number one in weeks one, seven and eight, I think it was. And if I recall correctly, Yan just blatantly ignores money during the first challenge, during the key oh, yeah, challenge. He, he goes straight for the Yokers and blatantly ignores everything else. I like how even Ruben, who is a genuine contestant, uh, isn't able to put as much thought into concealing the Yokers as much as Yan did. Yeah, that's the thing. Yan, Yan obviously knew he was going to try and try and do that. And yet he really is so much better. Even though he's like half of Ruben's size, he's so much better at getting things past people than, than Ruben is. Yen has just run circles around the cast in general from day one all the way through to the end of the game. I honestly cannot wait to be able to properly talk about what Yan did in the season as a whole, because Yan is maybe my favourite mole ever. He's just so good at being sneaky. And then he gets to be treasurer too, because Ruben was viewed as, everyone just presumed Ruben was the mole, so like, hmm... We need to have the we need to take the role of treasure away from the mole and let the mole be treasure now. That's so much people still trusted Yan at Final Five. At Final Five, they're like, yep, Yan, you get to be treasure. Olche will never suspect Yan again as of this episode. He just completely charmed her into that alliance. It is mind boggling how good Yan is at sneaking things past people, especially Olche. And you would think that Stine would be the one to suspect Yan the most, considering she's lost two of her bonds to him, and yet she's the next one executed. She doesn't suspect Yan at all, despite all of these actions and all of these huge clues. No, it's it's just absolutely mind-blowing that he's such a sneaky little shit and gets away with it constantly. And I guess what... Yeah, and part of it is, yes, Yan is a really good mole, but Ruben is probably the best shield that any mole has ever had. Because I think this episode, Simona, Stine, and Olche all put Ruben as their mole, and I think all of them do that till the end of the game. And the fact of the matter is they only survive because they're on a mole who's male. Yeah. And I don't even think that Ruben's on Yan this week. I think next week's the first time he's on Yan. Yeah, and that's episode seven. Because, yeah, even Ruben during this episode is like, yeah, I still think Yan's fanatical behavior is genuine. And he said, ah, I'm not really considering Yan. I'm considering Stine, Olche, and Simona. I'm thinking, man, did no one pick, no one's even thinking about Yan this episode. Now, Simona says she's going to put a couple of questions on Yan, but most of them on Ruben. Yeah, that's right. She's the only one who hinted at that. And it makes me think, hmm, I wonder if things would have been different if Yan had not turned Stine's screen. What would happen if Stine was executed? Would he be even more concealed? I think it could have been Ruben this week, because if you think about it, if Simona, Stina, and Olche are all on Ruben, then they automatically get the is the mole male or female question correct, whereas Ruben is the only one who's on a woman. So he automatically loses points straight away there. 
Yeah, I guess there's a shot that Ruben could have gone and maybe Yan goes the whole season without being detected. Yeah, I think genuinely we could have seen Ruben go this week as heartbreaking as that would be because this week's really the one where you start seeing Ruben's winner's edit coming through. As much as obviously we're talking about what the mole did in this section, this is really the point where you go, yeah, Ruben's getting a good edit now. Ruben's getting a real good edit now. Just from the Irma singing... Jordan songs to him thing. It's tough to not talk about Yan being a really good mole without pointing out that Ruben was a really good shield for him to hide behind, because I think that was a good chunk of his strategy. Yeah, and also the fact that Ruben just seems like a genuinely good dude, in the same way that the Axel seemed like a genuinely good dude from uh, from Belgium, Vietnam. Like, he just seems like a really nice dude, nice bloke. Just, he makes himself a little bit suspicious, that's the problem. Yeah, where it's like, man, he's a nice guy. Because they all, pretty much the attributes that they're all assigned to Ruben should be assigned to Yan. Where they're like, yeah, Ruben's a really nice guy, but is it all a facade? Is it like all these suspicious things he's doing? It's t- you, we always want to forgive him. That might be part of the strategy. So we're all going to go on Ruben. Yeah. So is there anything else to say about what what Yan did? Oh, and obviously turn Stine screen instead of money. He didn't want to put money into the pot. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That was the easiest one. And it's just, it's funny because there was that big signal for, to Olche, like, hmm, we should not have turned somebody's screen when all three of us are safe. It didn't even cross her mind. And she just crossed her mind as, oh, that was just a stupid move instead of, oh, that's a decent more sabotage. Yeah. So I think we are done until our 300th episode together next week. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, indeed. Assuming nothing changes in terms of our. Uh our recording schedule, like adding in any uh, any interviews or anything. Next episode is our 300th together. Will Tony Hawk be appearing like in Simpsons 300th episode? I'm not going to spoil the surprise I've got planned for you. Oh, I wanted Tony Hawk. Don't leave us.